So, Mr. Nathan Hall, thanks for joining us today. Um, what is your title at uh, uh, Louisiana Delta Community College? Yeah, so I have been the campus director of the West Monroe campus. I start a new job on Monday, the Dean of Enrollment Services okay. on Monday, also at Delta Community College. Okay, so what is that? Um, that <clears throat> means a pretty significant shift in what you're currently doing? Yes and no. So, yeah, on the campus director, I was just overseeing the campus. I was in West Monroe off Camp Road. But I did a whole bunch of stuff with schools and uh, developing either um, recruitment to the Westmore campus, even to the Monroe campus. But now it'll be like more, that'd be more the focus of my job is trying to recruit, retain students and to make the process easier for students to get into the school as, as a whole. So Delta has eight campuses um, and it would help all the campuses, not just the Westmore campus. And so you'll be connecting with with high schools to um, um, let let the students know what you guys offer and kind of help yeah. you know integrate them in. Um, t- tell yeah. me a little bit about so how we get that message out to them. Yeah, so partly that um, letting high school students know what's out there. So we have recruiters that go out and they'll go. Some high schools are more cooperative than others, but recruiters will go out and they're either set up at lunches or they'll go into a classroom and they'll share all the things that we have to offer. Or they'll have like an in-service and they'll share all the stuff that we have to offer. Um, but you also have like little fairs you can go to, like college fairs that they'll go right. to and <clears throat> students can come to your table and talk to you. They can sign up. We, we'll send them information. <clears throat> One thing that we did differently this year, uh, we worked with ULM worked with uh, Neela Mack, I think mm-hmm. you talked with Matt Dickerson, yeah. um, worked with uh, the workforce boards, and we had a, a college fair, but we included industry in there, so industry in our area. So then all the high school students came down this past uh, spring, or past fall, and they didn't just, we told the industry people, say, look, your job isn't trying to get them to come work for you today. Your job is to inform them of what they need to do to come work for you tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so there we had about 40 businesses that were showed up and, you know, the high school students walking around and said, hey, look, if you want to come work here, this is what it takes to work here. This is what we pay. This is – so then that, like, you know, politicians often talk about how students are just leaving this area. Mm-hmm. And um, so then if we're going to recruit them, then our businesses should have a chance to recruit those high school students. So that's one thing sure. we're trying to do is get them – get the businesses to pull students into programs and then – the programs are, are partly developed by businesses, so then that that we're pulling students into the businesses in our area instead of going off somewhere else. So that's another part of my new job is also working with businesses to like create partnerships, right? Where they're helping us with our programs. So it's not just a hey Delta, you educate them. If they come out, we're mad at you because they weren't right. Or hey, you did a good job. You're going to be our hiring service. We want it to be that businesses are speaking into each program. And then they say, hey, I, I need an industrial maintenance technician, but I need them to know these skills. Right. So then we'll teach them those skills, and then, they'll, and then the student knows, hey, if I get this, then I at least get an interview with these companies. Sure. So, so just a comment first that I, before we start recording, we're talking about um, how I'm seeing and uh, – the, the change in our education system, yeah. um, n- not just secondary, but but primary education, because that's initially where 
a lot of change needs to happen mm. today yeah. so that we can offer better solutions for secondary education. Mm. One of the things that um, excites me about our community is you have people showing up to the table that are not standing on their egos and saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's what can we do to grow everybody? So Mm -hmm. we've got ULM, we've got tech that are not doing the infighting that we need the students coming here. We, we have the four, which from my perspective, the, the four-year college is saying, hey, we want what's best for our community. Mm-hmm. And if Delta is going to be the right path to handle this area, that's where we need to go mm-hmm. with it. Am I am I seeing that pretty accurate? Yeah, in some ways. I mean, everybody's trying to get their own. And sure. There's some things that. But there is good cooperation. There is. There is definitely good cooperation. Um, and things are changing in education in a big way. Um one, we had tried to push everybody to four-year schools, mm-hmm. and then we realized, like, hey, not everybody. That's not meant for everybody. And we need some people who do these other things. Sure. So we, so they started, as the wages started changing for those technical programs, parents are starting to realize, like, hey, man, that's cost me a lot to get this plumber to come to me. Maybe I should tell my kid that he could do this, you know, because this plumber's making more than I am. Right. So that's starting to really kind of change because people, as they're having an electrician comes in and it cost a good amount of money to get that done for your house you're like well maybe that's an option for my kid um so that is start that is starting to change the attitude of parents you know because you as as a kid you can say you know it's up to the kid to figure that out but they're heavily motivated by how their parents view things so if their parents say hey you should consider going this technical program and we just recently this past semester had a, a parent their kid had 25 in their ACT, but he had won the welding competition at a school. And the parent called me and said, man, I, you know, I want to send my kid off to ULM, but he's really good at welding. I said, ma'am, like, he, if, if he's really good at welding, you know, he can make this kind of money, you know, and just kind of listed out what the our local it was, what it is to go off somewhere, what you can make. And she was like, I was like, if he goes into that major, he, he's not guaranteed that in any way. Right. And <clears throat> so then... Having those conversations, used to they wouldn't have that conversation at all. Used to parents wouldn't have that conversation at all. Now they are. You know, they're they're opening up to that, open up to allow their kids to go to the the two year route. And well, how does that conversation get shifted from <clears throat> these kids understanding and the parents stop focusing so much on I've got to earn this much mm-hmm. and balance that with. When, when you go to work full-time, you're going to be at your job mm-hmm. in waking hours, and most of the time more than you're going to be with your family. Yeah. And the value of enjoying what you do has mm-hmm. got to factor into that. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. But work is still work. Yeah. Um, and, and you want people to, be, to enjoy what they're doing. And a lot of that is so much on just the environment that's created at the job, you know. Yeah, I agree um, with that. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that is, like, I think people – or, or they're more um, hands-on inclined or more uh, mechanically inclined. And sometimes we even encourage those people to go into something that they don't really just love. They're just kind of doing. Sure. So I think as, as it just, I really want education to be to open it up to allow students to understand what they want to do and then to, to go that way. But if you think about it, though, if you think about plumbing, not everybody just loves plumbing, but like, if I was going to plumbing and I come to your house and I charge you 150 bucks just to show up, 
I do love making a good living, you know. Sure. So like I, I tell people, it's like, look, not every job is going to be just the most enjoyable thing you ever do. You make it be something that you can do that you can provide for your family in a good way, you know. So how do we get, and I'm not looking for you to step on toes here uh, at all, mm-hmm. but in the primary education, how do we get the kids exposed to more so that they can understand mm-hmm. that this is possible? Because yeah. our society for so long has been about pushing the four-year degree, mm-hmm. or if you don't do the four-year degree, you're nothing, or yeah. you're less than other people mm-hmm. if you go and to these other routes or don't get anything at all. Yeah. How do we how do we get the kids engaged earlier? Yeah. I mean, you know, like if you think about junior high, kids don't know anything but what their parents tell them and what their parents' attitude about things are. So, I mean, I think that shift is slowly happening with parents, but the parents have to be the one kind of driving that. You know, if your student says, hey, oh, I want to go be a welder. If you say, no, you can't be a welder, then your kids are going to be thinking, oh, well, that's less than, you know. And it's not necessarily the kid's attitude that needs to change. It's the adult's attitude that has to change. But how and, do we how do we take those parents that are not engaged? You know, we um, there is a, um, a difference. Um, the poverty gap that we have yeah. in our community mm-hmm. is uh, much larger than what it should be. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is, um, not all of it, some of it we could say we could go back to the home life because, the, you know, the it's a generational thing. This is what I've always yeah. done. It's what I'll always be. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a component of that, too, because if we're just yeah. relying on the parents uh-huh. to make that shift happen, how do we how do we get the have-nots yeah. uh, engaged? So I just... I sat in. I was at a in down in Baton Rouge this past week and heard the the person over our system for uh, losing technical colleges, community technical colleges. He said that in Louisiana, forty percent of our workforce, working age adults, eighteen to to forty five, forty percent of them are not in the workforce. So they say right now it's like unemployment is three percent in Louisiana. He said, but it's because they're not counting that forty percent of the adults are not working at all. He said, and some of that might be that. A, as parents, some of it is, you know, dis- disabled. Mm-hmm. They said, but where we are compared to other states, we, we are over like 10% more than many other states as far as like how many people are actually in the workforce. So and then you might say, okay, where are those people at? Most of them are at home. They're on some kind of um, disability or some kind of um, social security or, and, you know, COVID kind of hyped that up in a big way. So some of that can be changed by policy, like in the sense of like the governor or our representatives can change and say who deserves to get these services. Um, But some of it has to be that you have to change the culture of your town. So that's one thing that we're trying to do this year with uh, high school students. I remember when I was growing up, like every, like if you're in high school over the summer, you're working over the summer. Mm -hmm. Like that just seemed like it was normal. And maybe it was just normal for me. Well, I don't feel like that's how it is now. Like nowadays, like kids, you see a lot of them don't work over the summer. Yeah. So they're not used to, hey, I'm out of school, I'm going to work. <clears throat> so then that has to change, you know. So then one thing we're doing this year in March is we're having like a hiring event for our seniors. So seniors, they're going to go to the Civic Center and they're going to have employers there. And the main goal is to hire students whenever they come through this. So like you're either hiring or you have another plan, whether it be like college or something else that 
that to try to let it be like an event where they go to say, what am I going to do when I'm done here? So that's something we're trying to work out. Still, still working on some of those details. Um, and that's something that, to me, I would like it to be every year, that, that students, end of the year, they're coming saying, what am I going to do this summer? How do I work this summer? And then go and get into the, just the attitude of working. Right. And so much stuff that we do is by pressure. So pressure, like, oh, my friend's doing this. So then you might not ever work yourself. You might have worked no other summer. But you're seeing everybody here is going to get a job. Sure. So that, I, mean, I, I need to go find me a job. And if you don't find one there, okay, I need, to, I need to go find one later, you know, and try to make that be the norm inside of our community. Now, a lot of those are adults who are not in the workforce. How do we reach them? I do think that there is a component that um, the church has to do something. Like, we, we depend very greatly on um, our government thinking that something's going to happen with our government. It's going to somehow fix our problem in, yeah. in Monroe, Louisiana, uh, but that may be a conversation that we we can get to. Um, but I do think that it has to be that people that care for others, they have to then go and start discipling or, or bring up people that haven't had people to do that for them. So I've realized that many people who are not in the workforce that are addicted to drugs or alcohol or not working, many of them, they don't know how to get out. Yeah. And they don't necessarily have the resources to get out. So then it's like... If you were to go to, say, Parkview Apartments out in near Richwood, you're going to see that most people are sitting at home. But you're also going to see that there's only like three cars per apartment building, not near enough cars for how many people live there. <clears throat> so then you're going to say, okay, well, how do I help someone who wants? You'll, you'll see all kinds of people say, well, I want a job. I want to get a job. I want to do it. Mm. But they don't know necessarily how to. And so then they don't necessarily know. Maybe they might go to the workforce office, the unemployment, old unemployment office. But you're taking, like, for me, I just think, like, my mom helped me out a ton, like, told me a lot of things to tell me yeah. how to get there. We have whole generations of children that haven't had anybody to instruct them what to do next, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. <clears throat> um, we're doing a little bit of volunteer work with mm. in our community, and um, one of the things that um, caught me off guard that I did not expect when when my wife and I got involved is how thankful I should be for the support system mm -hmm. that I have in my life. Yep. And uh, I look at others within, there's a lot within our community that don't have a support system. Mm -hmm. They don't have a, a two-parent household or they don't have a, a, a stable family member that they can go and ask for guidance mm -hmm. or that person hold them accountable and they need to be held accountable yeah. um, when, when they're down. And um, I can I can see how difficult it could be to be in that situation, mm -hmm. and at the same time, we got to find a way through it. Mm -hmm. And you talked about the faith leaders, and mm -hmm. I don't shy away from that at all. Yeah, I feel like we need, uh, in the worst kind of way, people, um, people to start speaking the truth of what needs to be done, yeah. even if it causes us to step on a few mm -hmm. toes. Mm -hmm. Because nothing is going to change until we take action. Yeah. I, I also agree that you know there's policy changes that we can we can make, but it is it will happen faster by mm -hmm. us taking control of our yeah. own destiny, mm -hmm. our own community, than any policy decision that we can have. Well, Government moves really, really slow. So, like, if you go and say, "Okay, we're going to restrict you being able to have free housing. We're going to restrict you being able to have food stamps." 
Well, so then if you take someone who doesn't know how to get out of their situation and you take away the little that they have, they say, well, I got to find a way to do this. So if the only way they know how to, to, to affect yeah. that, they're going to go to violence. So then you cannot take that those free things away without showing them first how to get out of it. Mm. So then there has to be people there who are in place who can go and, and then say, hey, let me mentor you. Let me bring you up. And let me let me show you how to get out of this. <laughs> and and not just like, okay, we're going to make policy change. Hey, look, these people are not working because they're not motivated to work. It's like, well, some people are. And some people, so you need to provide motivation in the sense that you remove some of those benefits. But in the same sense, before you do that, you better have people in place to show yeah. them how to do something different. So then, like, I saw... One of the, the statistics that I looked at, it was talking about like just like in Louisiana, the job openings. So there are like, you know, 100,000 job openings. And, you know, like it, it might have been like 60,000 that were people were looking for jobs. Well, it's like way more in the job openings than there are people looking for jobs. And you would say the same thing here. And some of that, there is a skills gap. There is a, hey, we have these jobs and the people who don't have the skills yes. that they need to get that. So and that's a big thing that I hear with local mm-hmm. business owners is that, you know, we're having to hire, um, it, I'm not called a bank, but it mm-hmm. was a, a local bank. Said so we're having when we find somebody good, whether we're looking to put them in a slot or not, we got to bring them on board mm-hmm. because through attrition we're going to lose somebody, yeah. and you know how hard it is for us to get somebody. Mm-hmm. We can have interviews set up and have ten people lined up to come in and yeah. interview. Maybe only one shows up, mm-hmm. and the one that shows up is just not going to meet the qualifications. So yeah. I realize that skills gap mm-hmm. is big. Yeah. But I, if we're not addressing it in our primary education, mm-hmm. um, there's not a – even though <clears throat> when I was going – so I will tell you I was was a little surprised when I looked at all of the offerings yeah. you guys have. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at kind of what some of the prices are. Yeah, You know, one of the biggest problems um, – and I kind of repeat this all the time, so – People get tired of hearing it. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. But one of the biggest problems for a uh, young person to get a mortgage is student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that needs some reform. Yeah. I don't think that we need to go in and wipe all that debt clean. Yeah. For, we can talk about that. For, for those people. Yeah. But as long as the government is going to make it so easy for mm-hmm. somebody to live off that money— yeah. And then stay in school for years because they can't afford it. Mm. So they just go out and borrow more money yeah. and stay in school and defer. Mm-hmm. And now you're 15 years into your deferments. Mm. You got all the alphabet soup behind your name. There's nothing else. Yeah. And you have half a million dollars in student loans. You're only making 80000 a year. Yeah. There's no way they're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So they're looking <clears throat> at changing that system. So who knows if it'll happen or not. So they're looking at funding programs. That, so if you're going to go into a program – and it doesn't come produce a job. So they're going to tie programs to jobs. and then so, so, As it should be. So then, and, and really, like, the federal government should have given, been more selective in how they gave money. Mm-hmm. It should have been, like, if we're going to give you money to invest in you for you to be better, then you need to go into a program that's going to produce a job that would pay back that money. I remember there was a student that locally that went to Baylor to get an elementary education degree. Well, she was paying like $30,000 a semester to get an elementary education. It's like, you're paying more in your year than what you're going to make, you know, for years to come. So, like, you just all spent two hundred grand on a degree that you're only going to make forty grand a year on. 
So then if the federal government's giving money for that, well, it's your fault. You you funded someone who's going to make 40 yeah. grand a year. You gave them 200000 They're not going to be able to pay that off. Right. So then that was a bad lending practice, you know. So then uh, other governments, they can do stuff like that. But so they're they're looking at changing that, though. So they're looking at adding something called short-term pale, which would be like a pale grant is what you know a student has to be able to pay for their school that they don't pay back. Currently at Delta, you would talk about the prices were about twenty five hundred a semester, compared to our four year schools in this area, average about fifty five hundred a mm-hmm. semester. So about three thousand dollars less a semester. About eighty four percent of our students at Delta qualify for the Pell Grant, so they qualify for the funding from the federal government that they don't have to pay back to to pay for those programs. Um, so there are some students that don't qualify for that those Pell Grants, but they can still use tops and still use. Um, that those funds from our state government to pay for our, our programs. But um, I do hope that the federal government does adopt the short-term pail. That would be like, so someone could use those pail dollars to pay for something like their CDL mm-hmm. or for like a five-week class in heavy equipment. Or, But if they do that, they're going to start requiring that those programs lead to jobs. So, sure. so we can't just have like a short-term program <clears throat> that doesn't lead you to anything. Is that you can do a short-term program, but there has to be something inside your area showing that those students can get it, those jobs. So that, to me, would be a great improvement if they if they one hundred percent. But mm-hmm. that's that's the free money you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's the stuff they allow you to borrow. Correct. And there's there's no, I mean, it's like I can get. I will tell you that it's and this is the opinion of Brian, so mm-hmm. be guarded. Um, most of the people in our area that are pulling long-term private loans out that's backed by the government, mm-hmm. I would say probably less than half that money is actually going to education. Yeah. It's going to living expenses and and well, other things. You're, you're, you're giving uh, an 18-year-old saying, hey, look, I'll give you $30,000, and I'm not going to tell you how you need to spend it. You know, you're going to spend the first 5000 doing this. The other, I'm not going to tell you how you need to spend it. And you want them to be responsible with that, and most of them are not going to be responsible with that money. And I, so I, we blame it on the kids, like, hey, you kids, you weren't responsible with this money, but we wouldn't trust that. I would never no. give thirty thousand dollars to a kid, you know. Look, and, if the federal say, government didn't back it, there's no lender in town mm-hmm. that would give that kind of money out, yep. and. Um, I think that's where we need a lot yeah. of reform as well. Well, in that, you know, for the last three years, I've been telling them, hey, we're going to forgive this. We're going to forgive this. So those kids have been like, well, I'm going to take as much as I can. So it's gotten worse. And even the the loan repayment has gotten worse for for many students because of that. The federal government saying, oh, we're going to forgive this. Don't worry. We're going to forgive this at some point, which I don't think they will. But because the federal government still has to pay back their loans. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge mess, and mm-hmm. um, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Yeah. But getting back to Delta, some of the things yeah. that, that caught me off guard were the, the number one, the amount of programs that you yeah. had, um, two, the cost, how much, I'd say cheaper, but mm-hmm. more affordable yeah. than what a, a, a four-year school would be. Mm-hmm. But all the stuff that we have in here are are – I mean, it's everything applies to a job. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not um, it's not a lot of fluff that's in there. Mm. And look, there's nothing wrong with um, um, the degrees that people get in a lot of the liberal arts that mm. 
is not what um, you consider you can actually put into work for you tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'm, those those have their place, but for this, I'm like, man, these somebody getting a degree in this, mm. they can make a great living in our community. Yeah. They can stay here in our community. Well, that's what if if we add a program, we have to have businesses that will support us adding it. So we can't just be like, well, we think we want to add this business, you know, or this program. Like whatever we add, there has to be a business that will will pull us, will come with us and help us develop it and help us to to implement that program. Now, when um, I'm sure you guys uh, pull stats every year about what your graduation rate is, mm-hmm. um, do y'all track kind of what the salaries your your graduates make as they're moving out as, yeah, yeah. as an average, so that? Um, I think for so many years, the the community college has not been looked upon as a bright, shining star. But when you start talking dollars Mm -hmm. of what these graduates are actually earning when they get out, do you have any of those numbers you can share, kind of averages? Yeah, so our – Monty Sullivan, who's over our system, he usually shares this this, – whenever he gives speeches – and he tells like the average wage of someone within two years of graduating would be about sixty four thousand. Within two years <clears throat> of graduating, <clears throat> sixty four thousand. Yeah. I think the um, what is the uh, average or the middle income in our area for household <clears throat> is like forty thousand. Yeah, and I I know a lot of things have changed since COVID. You know, we had hyperinflation there for a little bit, so I don't know if. If that's changed some, they might it might have gone down. Who knows? But yes, it's right around forty thousand is what the average income is, household income. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would think mm-hmm. by looking at some of these jobs, though, that 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 sixty four thousand per graduate mm-hmm. of two years, mm-hmm. it being an average to where there's more that are making more than that. Yeah, I mean, so you know, I, we can go through a few of those. Like if you look at like process technology, people don't know what process technology is. It's, for instance, like an operator in a in a uh, a factory, mm-hmm. we had sent several like down working in, on in oil refineries, and they were making well over a hundred grand you wow. know, in process technology, a two year degree. Um, my industrial maintenance teacher, um, he's not with us now, but when he was working in graphic, he said I made more than all the engineers. He said I was making around hundred sixty a year as an industrial maintenance tech. Wow. Um, and many people don't, I, I didn't even know what that was before I started working at Delta. Um, but I even, you know, you think of like just hard, a lot of people just think of just like the hard, difficult things of electrician. Uh, you know, locally, there are signs now, it's really a company in Shreveport that's advertising, but they have signs that around town says $47 an hour for electricians right wow. now. Um, and now you're not, like most guys are going to start off that. They're going to start off, Twenty twenty two an hour, but I mean, um, still twenty twenty two an hour. That's mm-hmm. great money getting started. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like that you you preface it with two years out because you, mm-hmm. you need some. The education that you get is great, and that's going yeah. to give you the more than just the basics of what you need to know. But every company is going to operate something a little bit different than what you may have learned. Yep. So to be able to adapt and be able to perform, you hit that level of about two years in there. Yep. So that's when you really start seeing. Mm-hmm everything paying off for you. Yep. Something else that I saw in your stuff, and, and I, I hope that it's the website was accurate enough, is that you guys offer um, precise training in 
um, individual fields. So mm-hmm. the two things that stood out to me was um, uh, advanced PLC mm-hmm. and then um, the CNC. Mm-hmm. Um, that someone can come in and get just training in that one area. Yeah. So how long? What what does that look like for someone? So I have a tab that's I a <clears throat> workforce tab on there, and those are like short term trainings that you don't necessarily qualify for a Pell grant. So that if they end up approving that short term Pell, they would cover something like that. But we usually use other funding to cover those. But for like CNC, that's like a five week course. They're going to learn how to do a little manual lathe, and then they're going to learn how to use a CNC machine. That machine is as a five axis CNC machine. Which, if people don't know what that is, it's probably, the most advanced, right? <clears throat> yes, I mean there are some that are more advanced than that now, but five axis is is pretty close up there. You know, it's about two hundred thousand dollar machine that you put a piece of metal in it, you can program it to cut whatever, almost anything you want out of it. You know, car rims. You know, you could do gun parts. You could do, I mean, motorcycle parts. You could build your whole motorcycle just by putting metal in there and it cutting out parts and you putting it together. You know. <clears throat> So that, that program's about five weeks, so even like advanced PLC. Sometimes we'll do even specialized training for businesses. So like <clears throat> Graphic might say, I have these guys, they've been training as a maintenance tech, but we want them to learn PLCs. We'd go to Graphic, do that training just for their staff that they would use. Um, but it also would work for <laughs> someone at Graphic that wants to um, enhance up. and move up mm-hmm. to where – they know that if they had the certification for this mm-hmm. one thing, it's yep. going to increase their odds of being able to make it happen. So mm-hmm. and an individual can reinvest in themselves yep. at that point. And I really mm-hmm. thought that that was fantastic to mm-hmm. not only do we have all of this going on, but yep. we actually have real world application mm-hmm. workforce training that I can go in and get. Yep. Are there any other um, systems that y'all have or programs that yeah. are similar to that? So um, we're, we're starting a lineman program. And that okay. is um, yeah. like an electrical lineman and then also like a, a lineman for um, like cable, if you're putting cable into the house um, or putting fiber into the house. So those are two programs that we're getting started. One of them will start in Winsboro. The other one will start in West Monroe. Um, in the next couple months, we'll get started. Um, then we have like a heavy equipment program where they learn how, how to, to drive like, you know, bulldozers and mini X's. And then... Uh, have you talked to the EPC guys? Mm-mm. So they're they're doing a decent amount of work. The federal government has put the a, EPC uh, Etheridge pipeline. Oh no, I haven't, but I know who you're talking about. So they they are doing a, a decent amount of work. That company has grown. Yeah. I mean, when you Very talk much. about how they they started mm-hmm. off, I sold a property that they were mm-hmm. leasing a little bit of land mm-hmm. from, and they were like really really small at that point. Oh yeah. And now they bought the land across the street, yeah. and there's trucks everywhere, oh, and it's yeah. like. Like almost overnight. I know it wasn't oh, yeah. overnight, but it was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So the federal government has put a decent amount of money into providing broadband to mm-hmm. local, I mean, to, to rural areas. So they've gotten some contracts to um, go and put that fiber into the ground. So used to, you would take like a mini-X and you would dig a trench, and then you'd go and you'd put in a, a pipe in the ground, you'd run that fiber through the pipe. Now they have these machines that will shoot a pipe underneath the ground, pull piping through it, I mean, they can go for 500 yards, pull piping through it, and then put the fiber in it without digging anything up except just the front and the back end. So that can go in the roads, go under, you know. So they they do that, and we actually have a course just for that. Um, and that's like a five-week course. And So you're really linking up with the businesses mm-hmm. that are on a path for growth and yeah. trying to make sure that we have the workforce yeah. that can be trained for them then. Yeah. So, I mean, for them... They hire straight from that course. 
Um, they helped us design that course. They helped us get the equipment for the course. So, I mean, they're all the way involved with, with it. So then people would come into that course within interview with them. Well, that makes it a win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. We're training people <clears throat> for high-quality jobs, yeah. um, and then we have a company that is getting, you know, educated people mm-hmm. coming in day one. We're not having to learn yeah. by sitting there watching someone else do it. Mm-hmm. not saying there's anything wrong with it, but yeah. you can't scale a business like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what So, like. If you are just go work for them and you've never driven heavy equipment, it's going to be tough. One, because you don't want to mess a lot of stuff up. You don't want to go get on a $100,000 piece of equipment. They don't want to put some on there for the first time, and you're driving around on a bulldozer or a mini-X digging to the ground. So then what we do is we have like a, a virtual trainer. So they can go and they learn how to use the controls. They do that first, and then they go get on the expensive equipment and learn how to do it. So then that has been very successful as far as them coming and, and, using that heavy equipment. Um, so it's, that's that's what's having, like, someone in education can provide that, which if you just go out in the field, sometimes you can't learn out yeah. in the field, you know. Um, but so we, we also do some medical programs, like a short-term, like certified nurse assistant or, like, a phlebotomy tech or EKG tech. Um, those would be, like, short-term programs that we do over, you know, four to six weeks. Um and then we also, one thing that most people don't know about that Delta does, there's a lot of stuff they don't know about, but one of the main things is we do industry training for businesses. Um, I, I don't know if you've talked to anybody about an IWTP grant. Mm-mm. So IWTP grant is, is, is incumbent worker um, training program, and the state will allow you to use the money that you paid into unemployment for to train your employees. Wow. So then it's the, the the company doesn't have to pay for training. They they might have to give like up to 15% of, of in-kind. So say you get a million-dollar grant, you're going to get 15% of in-kind or, or cash towards that, then it, the rest of it will pay for your training. Um, so we have companies that will come to us and say, well, we, I need heavy equipment training or PLC training or management training or sales training. And it's really not costing the it's company or anything. Wow. So we do that for, for companies as well. Um, for and, and all the stuff that we teach, we can teach for the company as well to upskill their employees, but also like safety, like OSHA 10 and forklift training, those kind of things as well. Um, but also on the medical side of it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm seeing that you got a two-year RN yeah. degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so a two-year RN degree. Wow. And then uh, we have an LPN program. So the, the RN is decently competitive to get into it um, just because a lot of people would want to get done two years so they go in the four-year route. Right. Um, but then the LPN program, we actually have that on, um, I believe, six of our campuses. So you can do it in Winsboro, Tallulah, you know, West Monroe, Bastrop, Ruston, all those you could do LPN. And then we have an LPN to RN. So like you can be an LPN, mm-hmm. and while you're working – you could get your RN while you're working. So we have students that do that. It's like, well, you maybe you didn't get into RN school somewhere else. You come to your LPN, which is a licensed practical mm-hmm. nurse, and then you can transfer over to become an RN. Um, so we have a lot of people who do that. Um, well, I think you guys also offer um, over-the-road truck driving training. Yep. So yep. tell us a little bit about kind of how that works because I, I know that there's other – 
truck driving schools around town mm-hmm. and across the country that sometimes yeah. people pay a little money for, sometimes they have to pay a lot of money for. Mm-hmm. What do mm-hmm. you guys offer that's different from? Yeah, so Louisiana has a standard test as far as like what your test is. So everybody teaches for you to pass that test. Um, the difference between us and some of the other companies is just funding. Sometimes we'll get funding from the state. They'll say, hey, you can scholarship all these students. Sometimes the, the workforce office will get funding, and they'll, they'll sponsor so maybe 10 students to go into CDL. And sometimes uh, NOVA, which I don't know if you've talked to them, there on 18th Street, they help out with placement of employees and, and creating a workforce. They also sponsor people. Um, if you have no sponsorship whatsoever, which every now and then will come to be like that, that someone won't have sponsorship, it is about $6,200 a day. But once that uh, Pell program comes into place, that would cover that. Awesome. But um, <clears throat> another thing, so the, the state of Louisiana actually has a short-term training um, grant. It's called the MJ Foster Grant. It's like tops for adults. They, they're out of money for this year, but the believe they're supposed to bring it back next year. And what that is, if you're over 21 and you make less than three times the poverty line, mm-hmm. so that you know kind of depends on how many kids you have and a, a sure. few other things, then they, you can pay for any of these programs and any of those short-term programs really? using that, that grant funding. Uh, it'll pay for things that are under two years that lead to a job. Um, so that's something that Louisiana has done over the last two years. So they only allocated so much money for it per year. So this year it's out, but they should have money for it next year. So for adults that think, well, I'm not going to qualify for a Pell Grant, I actually had looked up, if you have like, which is a lot of kids, you have five kids or four or five, I think if you have four kids, I think you can make about 92000 and still qualify for it. As a household. So, as, a, as a household. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of people who will qualify for that that might not qualify for Pell. But there's a lot of people that that right now, if they wanted it, would qualify for some type of assistance yes. to further their education, mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. or old, right? right. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you touch. I don't know if we touched on it here, but uh, you know the stuff that you sent over. Um, you put a thing yeah. about crime. Yeah. Our community is no different than most communities that are out there. Mm-hmm. We. Um, we have an issue when it comes to, to crime. Yeah. Um, for the most part, ours is, you know, the the stuff that that happens on the grand scale can be isolated to certain areas. Yeah. But it still doesn't make community feeling better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard it time and time again. We've we've got that that sixteen to twenty four. Mm. That's not in the workforce. It doesn't believe in having the summer job or yeah. the after school job mm-hmm. like they used to. Uh, back when I was growing up, and the, the the young adults that should be in the workforce that are not in the workforce mm-hmm. at this point, I think you can see a correlation to that same age group that should be getting this education yep. um, that's committing the crime. There's mm-hmm. a pretty pretty significant uh, comparison between the two. Yeah, is 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 that kind of what you guys see as well? Yeah, very very much. Um, a lot of crime happens from either lack or you're not taught right or you're bored. And a lot of it is because you're bored. Right. Um, and then so if you don't have, you know, if you don't have, uh, say you want shoes and you don't have it, well, then you're going to try to find a way to do that. 
And then if no one told you that you can get out of your area, then you think, well, I'm going to do it. I'll see everybody else do it. So <clears throat> there has to be someone that shows them a different way. There has to be someone that shows that, that you can do it differently. And I think, you know, we, we talked earlier about how, like, the church has to be involved. And that's, like, easy to say. But if I told you, said Brian, and Brian, I want you to go out to a neighborhood where there's a crime-filled neighborhood. I want you to, like, just start helping people to get jobs. You're going to be like, oh, sure. Then you're going to get out there and be like, what do I do out here? You know, what am I? I'm supposed to just go talk to these people. And <clears throat> But I don't think that's how necessarily Jesus did it, you know. If you look at, like, how Jesus did it in Scripture, how he changed things. He took 12 people, and they're all young, and he taught those 12 people how to, to, to disciple people. Mm-hmm. So then he spent three years with people and taught them how to disciple and said, okay, you go and do the same thing. So then we always think that we have to impact hundreds of people. Like, well, I'm, if I bring them to church, then, then hey, they're going to be good. If I, if I can just get them to church. Yeah. But a lot of times you get into church and you get lost. And you're, you're not, so you have to, like, Jesus, there's a reason why I think he had that system of having the 12 that he discipled. And I'm, I'm no Jesus, so I don't think I can take on 12. So, but I might be able to take on five. I might be able to take on four people that I, that I disciple. But if you can just take on one. If you just take on one, then, then you make a difference in your community. And if everyone that had the ability just took on one, then, then that changes things, you know. And so I think, like, that is what has to change in our community, that we have to, one— the people in in leadership, in whether church or government, has to start leading people how to disciple people, you know. And so then once we can start teaching, and I think I don't know if you've you've been to a a retreat. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of those are really good, and but the ones that are great are the ones that that have followed through in how they disciple the people. So like you can go to a retreat and say, man, this is excellent, man. If I, you're not I following up with a D group or discipleship group yeah. afterwards, mm-hmm. that um, that feeling of energy that you got is yeah. going to fade really quick. Yeah. Well, so then it, it, even still, so if you go and you follow and you you're going to a Bible study, and you do that for three years and you're going to a Bible study and you learn Scripture, well, if that if it stops there, we didn't accomplish anything. What has to happen is that from there you have to go and you have to find a way to serve. So then whenever those people find a way to serve, whether that be in evangelism or in discipling themselves, well, then that then is, is the model of Jesus, you know, that, that, that I'm being taught to disciple. Like the reason I'm learning scripture is to be able to teach somebody else. So then the reason why we're doing any of this, you know, is to be able to affect somebody else, you know. So then for me, when I learn, is I'm learning to be able to teach, you know, and that should be the view of every pastor. The reason I'm teaching you is so that you can teach. So then it's not, I'm not teaching you so I can have more people here. It's I'm teaching you so that you can teach somebody else. And that was why Jesus did it, you know. So that is what has to change in our community, I believe, you know. And um, so how do we do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think any of yeah. us have that answer. Yeah. We would like to get out. Mm. Uh, I think ha- starting off having an honest conversation. Yeah. Um, being able to have, um, uh, you mentioned mentors mm-hmm. before. Um, I think it's much easier for us to change our youth than it is to change our adults. Yeah. Um, I think we don't do enough of sharing with our youth the possibilities mm-hmm. of what the alternative could be. Yeah. I was very encouraged when I saw. I don't. I, 
I was hopeful. I think it's both chambers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put up the ULM flags around schools yeah. and the Delta flags around mm-hmm. school. Very encouraged when I saw that because yeah. some people just don't know that that they could mm-hmm. do this. Yeah, um, I'll guarantee you, there's a lot of kids that are in high school right now that don't know this whole list that you mm-hmm. have here mm-hmm. and what is possible if yeah. they will just dedicate mm-hmm. two years yeah. of buckling down and make it happen. Mm-hmm. What is possible? Yeah. You want to talk about change, uh, the structure of, you know, generational, um, I hate to use the word oppression, but I kind of feel like that that's what it is on mm-hmm. some level that you, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You tend to repeat what, what you saw your parents do. Yeah. But to be able to go in to your family and say, I'm going to do something different, mm-hmm. and then your family see, your mm-hmm. community see that you did something yeah. different, I think can start changing people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we have to put the effort into mentoring, yeah. uh, discipling mm-hmm. people, yeah. but we got to start early. Mm-hmm. And I think early might even be grade school yeah. a little bit, mm-hmm. and then more in your middle school, and then definitely yeah. full force in so, in the high school. So we're trying to do that in some way. So we, we've started recruiting in junior high as far as like showing them what's out there, showing the, the students what's out there. Hey, this is what you can do. Because once they get to high school, they usually have to pick what path they go on. Am I going on a four-year path or a two-year path? So then our state... Usually if you go on the four-year path, they try to push most people to the four-year path still. So the two-year path is left to people who didn't make it on the four-year path. So you couldn't pass algebra it's a, two. It's a default. Yes. And it shouldn't be a default. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are on that four-year path that need to yeah. be in that two-year path. Correct. And that two-year path people need to understand and be taught that mm-hmm. this is not this is not a less than. Correct. This is fantastic for you. Mm-hmm. It's a path when you graduate. You've got a plan for a great career. Yep. So then on that, that two-year path, it is people who just kind of default over there to it. But I the hope is, and I think for Louisiana, you know, a new governor is going to change everything up. I would love it. Like, Louisiana, we're not great at reading and writing and math. I would love it if Louisiana said, you know what, we're just going to try to get really good at these three things, and then we're just going to let you be informed of what's out there. So let's inform you of all the different jobs in your area. Let's inform you of these skilled trades that you could have. And then you make an informed decision on, do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be a lawyer? But I'm going to I'm going to make sure that you're really strong in these things, reading, writing, and math, you know. And you can throw in science too because that's nothing they're, they're judged off of. But it's like we have so many students that take algebra one, algebra two. What are they going to do with that? Unless you're an engineer, you're not going to use it at all. Unless you're going to into computer engineering, you're not going to use it. So then it's like we have to change that in some way. Like how do we – and I understand that that is those policy decisions you know, that needs to be made. If I was up that way, I would say, look, we're going to focus on these four things, and then we're just going to inform you of all of what's out there. Now it's like the four-year guys don't get to hear what you could do on two years. So then yeah. you all those people going places, and they got to fail out of college before they can go and make a different decision. But – that's why I think our average age in, for community technical college is 28. Really? I did not know that. Because <laughs> that's most people, they'll go to a, a four-year college, they'll go a few years, oh, this wasn't for me. They'll drop off, come back to us, you know. Or can't find a job. I can't find a job for a little bit, then they'll come back to us, you know. 
we have lots of people. Like if you go to our age heating and air conditioning uh, mm-hmm. program, lots of older gentlemen in there that say, "Man, I'm just trying to get something else to do." So then they wait till they're to that point of like, "I need to make some good money. I needed to do something." So then they'll come back to HVAC, you know, or electrician, or. <clears throat> so I, I would love it if our state said, "Okay, let, let's inform people what's out there. Let them make a decision, an informed decision." But we, currently in Louisiana, we do. If they go on that two-year path, they have to get a credential to graduate. So it has to be a credential value to graduate. So that could be a credential in welding and electrician. and So that they could get you know, a credential, like a lower-level credential, one of those right. programs, and still graduate. So does that need to be every student? No. But it shouldn't be that it's just based off of who can pass Algebra 1, you know. I did not know that. So I I did know that they, you know, there was a fork in the road Mm -hmm. and, you know, you were by default placed in a path. You wasn't really given a Mm -hmm. choice, but I did not know that that 28 years, that's something. Yeah. That's some average age. Wow. So let's talk about dual enrollment, Mm -hmm. how um, it affects Delta. We've heard about dual enrollment for the the Mm -hmm. four-year degrees, but what does dual enrollment look like for Delta? Yeah. So we do it just like... Just like you can do for ULM or Tech, you can do with us on the academic side. So we have academic courses too, like the first two years of transfer to ULM or Tech. But we also have a dorm where they can come. Let me pause on that real quick. So I've heard Mm -hmm. that even if you're planning on getting a four-year degree and if you're having to pay for your school, you can get those basic level class that Mm -hmm. will transfer over much cheaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're looking to just be able to save money and even possibly smaller classroom sizes, Mm -hmm. Delta can definitely get you on that path cheaper or Mm -hmm. more cost effective. Correct. And and so I tell students, I said, look at, you want to look and see what you're being offered from ULM or Tech or Grambling. Because like if you're making like a 21, you're getting basic tops, you're not getting any other kind of scholarships from them, you're much better off coming to Delta than going to ULM as far as your cost. If you're making like a 27 on your ACT at ULM or tech, and they're giving you some of their advanced scholarships, you're better off going there because they're they're making up in their scholarships what they're giving you compared to what you would get with us. Uh, so that, I always try to just tell them, like, you want to look at what they're offering you, look and see what you could do with us. But for some of them, it would be significantly cheaper to come to us than it would be go to one of them, especially if they don't qualify for tops. Um, it'd be significantly cheaper. Um, but what does the dual enrollment look like? I mean, so, are you offering... Is it, um, you know, basically the same thing yeah. dual enrollment would be if they were going to ULM or Tech? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. So um, if you, like a lot of the dual enrollment that ULM does, they do it online, and they you might be inside your classroom and you're, um, you're taking a teacher who's at ULM. We can't necessarily do that with welding or sure. electrician. So we do have several schools that send students to us, like in the afternoons from like, uh, 12 to 2.30 or 12.30 to 2.30 and they'll come students will come and do electrician for those two hours and they might, they're not going to finish the program within their two years but they're going to like get it significantly into there and then they'll come to us for maybe a year later wow so they can um, get in some cases half of it correct taken care of while they're in school mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow now and a lot of that depends on so dorm is there's a cost you know yeah. for the school and a lot of the, the technical programs are more expensive than it is for an academic program at the school level. So at ULM, their actual cost, 
to give a class is not very much. So then they're charging like $100 a credit hour. For us, if you do welding, it costs us a decent amount of money to buy metal and all that stuff. Right. So there are fees associated with that. So that that does stop some schools from sending many kids out there. They, they only send... There's so, not, so at that point, the school, it would be the high school's responsibility for that cost? Or can the, um, can the student... They if, could. Uh, students could pay for it, but... In Washaw Parish, Monroe City, they have funding that would would pay for that. But like um, Westmore High School, Ridgewood High School, both have some technical programs in the high school. Um, Ruston High School has like a CNA program there. Um, at Ridgewood, they have a welding program at on site at Ridgewood that they can then transfer into our program. Um, Carol. They're a medical magnet where they have some medical programs within there. Um, so some some of the high schools have stuff that they offer already. I think uh, Westmore also has a small engine program as well. Um, so some of them offer it already. Some of them they can send over to us. Um, they they try to do more stuff inside the high school than they do to try to send over to us. So if they're able to put a kid inside something that they offer at the high school, but it doesn't necessarily mean it trends. Everything that they do doesn't necessarily transfer over to us. Um, some of it is just you can give them something to get a credential so they can graduate. Not necessarily they could be keep going farther along. So where do you see um, Delta's enrollment, knowing that we are um, definitely in a changing environment when it comes to education? Mm-hmm. What do you see the role moving forward for uh, universities like Delta for the community colleges? Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that we continue to grow since that will be my new new role is more on the enrollment side. Um, I believe that we we can. We can continue to grow. Um, so much of it will depend on businesses in our area and how bought in they are. Uh, but I think we're starting to see the businesses mm-hmm. are reaping the benefits right. of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just just Neela Mac alone yeah. has really stepped up to the plate um, mm-hmm. and to me, I don't know if other communities have something like Neil and Mac, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's those businesses and professionals decided that, you know, if we don't step up and start working together to um, create the workforce that we want, we're going to get left behind. Our kids right. are not going to have a place to work. Correct. They're not going to stay around here. Mm-hmm. So I really applaud all the mm-hmm. businesses that joined together mm-hmm. to create that, which has given a voice to and credibility to. If Neil and Mac comes to Delta and say, look, Delta, we need we need this program, mm-hmm. I think Delta's going to look at it and say, yeah. heck yeah, let's make it happen. Yeah. We're, we're working them now, even on one of our programs, to redo it to meet their needs. Um, but yes, Neil Mac is going to be a big help and just changing the attitude. You know, we have a pretty poor attitude in manufacturing. Everyone in, in our area will say, man, we need another God plant. We need another automotive plant here. And I tell them, I tell people, I say it publicly. I say, look, North Louisiana cannot support another manufacturing, uh, plant because they don't have the trained workforce to do it. Like, you know, there, there is an, a, a company right now that is looking to expand, and they said they want to hire forty welders. And I, I'm like, oh, that's great, you know. They're like, but do we have that now? Welding is one that, so we actually have about a hundred students in our Westmore program. So that's something that they had to be able to compete for them. I just, we had eight of them. This is a random fact. I'm going off 
Sure. <laughs> I had eight of them that just went and applied at Jane's Machine Work and went into the field, and they're making over 30 an hour right out of out of wow. um, right right out of school, you know. But this is the kind of information mm-hmm. that I think that our youth needs to hear, yeah. that we need to do as a community, mm-hmm. not trying to put everything on your shoulders, but as a community, yeah. we need to do a better job of letting people know what mm-hmm. that really means. Yeah. Um, but then again, I can also see the hard part of it if these uh, young adults or even kids have never had a job before and had yeah. to manage money and, mm-hmm. and figure out what to pay, you start throwing numbers out to them. What does that really mean to them? Because yeah. they've never had to manage their mm-hmm. own money. Well, and that's like, I don't, I don't, not every recruiter does this. I do it when I go speak to classes. I try to tell them, hey, look, you can make $20 an hour starting out inside this program. So that is roughly, if you work eight hours a day, it's 40000 a year. Then I'll say, our, our average household income is 40000 That's for a full household. I said, but if you work, you know, 50 hours a week, then you're going to make, you know, 50000 a year. So then you're, you're, you just getting this two-year degree are going to make 10000 more than the household, average household income here. So you're already going to be considered someone who is considered wealthy inside this, our area. Yeah. just by you getting that to your degree and try to explain it in a way that they would understand it, you know. So we, we do try to do that, you know. And I think, you know, in some ways, like, we're seeing an increase in our technical programs. I mean, like, welding, we have 100 students. And when I count high school students that have about 140 students in welding just in West Monroe. We've got another 20 that's at OCC in the prison, or 28 in the prison. So, like, that has increased. I've seen increase in automotive. So, so you guys are working with um, uh, the prisoners out there at the P farm to um, mm-hmm. increase their education? Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really good. I didn't know anything yeah. about that, which, yeah. I mean, and that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, well, it's criminal. You know, why are we doing that? Well, we want good, productive members of society when they get out. Hey. So if we're able to show them a better way mm-hmm. – of how they can earn, yeah. um, they're less likely to have to go back Correct. to where they come from. So if you get some form of education in prison, you're like over 40% less likely to recidivate, like to come back into prison. Wow. So like those, that's, that's one of the greatest problems of why people come back to prison is they get out and they can't get a job. So then they go back to their old ways to come back in. So, and for me, if one of the greatest impacts we could have is to put education in every prison. Um, they don't currently have that. We're working on that now. We actually have a something where the state is doing right now to allow schools to do education, like short-term education in prison. So we're going to do some heavy equipment, some safety training, forklift training in prisons so that they have that whenever they leave. They have something whenever they leave to be able to get at least an entry-level job. That's great. I had no idea mm-hmm. we were doing that, and I yeah. think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um if there's one thing that you would want to um, to impress upon parents mm-hmm. about um, their kids' education right now, let's say we're talking to a, a middle school parent or a freshman in high school parent, yeah. what, what would what would be your advice to a parent that's trying to I don't know be good stewards of their kids and mm-hmm. give them the right information? What, yeah. what would you say to those parents? So like what I I did with my daughter, I have a I got five daughters. My oldest is eighteen. What I did with her, I asked her, "Hey, what would you like to do?" So then she said, "Well, I want to be a 
a veterinarian or vet tech or something like that. I said, okay, this summer is like her before junior year. We went and started like going to ask. I said, hey, look, we're going to go ask him, see if you can come shadow someone. So she went and did that. And I, anything she's been interested in, I've tried to get her to go and, and find someone that she can shadow to learn about it. Because like, the funny thing is she's shadowed a few different people and it's like, well, I don't want to do that, you know? And then I always try to impress them out. If you're going to go and do something, look and see if there are jobs available for that. You know, I, at one point someone said that there was, I think, 600 majors of, in psychology at ULM and there was two job postings for psychologists in their area. So then, okay, you as a parent should look and say, hey, my kid's going into this. Well, I would just, I'm like, well, what kind of job can you get with that? What, what, what does that lead to, you know? Right. And, and just to ask questions to help them have a plan, you know? And, and as a parent, you should be open-minded, you know, like, hey, used to this was not considered a great job, but now, like in automotive tech, like used to back in the day, it was like, oh man, that's, that's just for, you know, someone who doesn't have many skills. Now automotive is like cars are almost completely computer driven. Oh. And like you have to be almost like a computer tech to to even to work on them. And we have students going out making $35, $40 an hour, you know, like in automotive. Because that skill set is so much wider than what it used to be. Um, that that the our local places are like, hey, we got to have high skill people going into this because they're having to rewire cars, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and that's even, you know, you think about smart homes in air conditioning and in the electrical world, like you're having, you're gonna have more computers coming into the home controlling Absolutely. things. And all that stuff is becoming like a, a much higher degree or program that students will come get. Um, so I just would tell parents like that, that they actually talk through it with their kid. And I, another thing that we hadn't touched on Technology is changing at such a quick rate. So fast. I mean, yep. it's like we're going through another industrial revolution mm-hmm. when it comes into to technology and how Correct. we use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I find I I believe I'm pretty tech savvy, mm-hmm. but some of the stuff that's happening now, I'm just yep. like, man, it's a whirlwind. Yep. And so jobs that are important now that you can get paid good money with now in ten years can be obsolete. And like, you know, a year ago, artificial intelligence was just now kind of starting to get to be like, oh, this is, this is, uh, it's starting to come to be where just a regular person can have access to mm-hmm. it. Like now it's like, I look at jobs kind of like, man, my job, when I worked at CenturyLink, they would not need anymore. Like, and you see like Google dropped like, I think it was 30,000 employees mm-hmm. they let go of. So like as a parent, you want to look and say, is this job going to be here in in 30 years? Is it going to be here in 10 years? And what's going to be so important is how well does your kid speak to somebody? How well does your kid, or are they able to have a conversation and interact with people? Because before long, just having knowledge won't matter. It's how well can you interact with people and sell yourself. It will be something that matters greatly. And how are you, do you have integrity? Do you, are you respectful? Because like, I just think through things like have goggles. You're going to be able to pull on your face and you're going to be able to say, how do I change out my alternator? And it's going to say, hey, undo that screw and you're going to do it. Undo that screw and undo it. And so what's going to matter is when that person comes into you, 
how do I talk to you? How do mm-hmm. I have a build a relationship with you? And that's going to be with everything. Like in accounting, they're, it's all going to be automated. Yeah. Lawyers, I, I, I wrote divorce papers for someone the other day on AI. I wrote custody papers for someone else using AI. So all those things that you needed someone had a degree with, it's going to completely change, you know. Yeah, customer service, I don't think um, – I think if anything, we're going to rely more on it because mm-hmm. the more we put that machine in front of us, the Correct. more we value mm-hmm. the interaction that we have. Correct. But yet the machines that we have out there, especially for our youth, mm-hmm. has caused us to uh, disconnect from Correct. relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can – you can take uh, five middle schoolers and put them in a room mm-hmm. and they won't be talking, but they'll be talking yeah. via text to one mm-hmm. another, which is, uh, you know, it's a dynamic the kids are going to have to adjust to yeah. at that point. If I want to talk to a screen, I can talk to a computer. I don't have to talk to you. So I want to talk to a person. So then that's what's going to be valuable. Yeah. And um, through my daily uh, activities, uh, I get to see a fair amount of uh HVAC guys, plumbers, mm-hmm. electrician, yeah. and I don't see a lot of young people mm-hmm. yeah. out working. Yep. Um, and if I was entering the workforce today and had to rethink some things, even though I'm yeah. not great with my hands, I probably would look at one of those professions mm-hmm. because, I mean, I don't think AI is ever going to fix your stopped up toilet. Yep. I don't think AI is ever going to um, um uh, reinsert you a new HVAC yeah. unit in your house mm-hmm. or rewire things for you. Yeah. Um, and those are um, skills that are going to be needed for a long time. Yeah. And I think unless the youth really starts reacting, that's going to be some very wealthy skills to be able to have, very yeah. important skills mm-hmm. because we've got an aging population yeah. in those uh, in those fields. And yeah. it's great that y'all uh, – Support that. The medical field and all the technical fields, to me, is something that you're going to need for a long time. Because mm-hmm. even if they got to be where there's a doctor that could do your surgery, like you still have to have human interaction as a nurse. Because people who don't have human interaction, they die much quicker than someone does. So like all the, those things that, that truly matter is going to be this. you know, Between me and you, how, how well do you talk to people? How well do you make people feel comfortable? is going to be a very valuable skill for a long time. Well, I think you guys are definitely an asset to our region. And um, I learned stuff today. And um, I ask that you kind of periodically keep us involved with new things y'all have coming because uh, the more champions we have for you within our community Mm -hmm. is going to create more dialogue. More dialogue will lead to questions that can get answered and open doors where they were not open before. So, um, uh Appreciate what you guys do. Congratulations yeah. on the new advancement. Yeah. And um, hope it um, continues to grow for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you for taking the time to watch or listen to this podcast. We really appreciate your involvement. Please leave us a comment or even better yet, subscribe to this podcast and hit that notification bell so that you can be alerted for every new episode when it hits. Mm-hmm.